what's happening everybody and welcome back to another episode of rapping with reef bum i'm your host keith burkelhammer so today i welcome joe gaucher to the show what's going on there joe what's happening brother how's it going everybody good good good, good. happy new year everybody happy new year to you there joe Appreciate glad that. you're on the show uh joe for those that don't know joe he is a true Coral, coral connoisseur hailing from South Carolina. He and his fiance own Carolina Coral Heads, a business that emphasizes sustainability and specializes in aquaculturing rare corals. And, and we're going to look at a couple of sweet choice uh, pieces there. Huh? Right, Joe? But before we start chatting with Joe, I want to thank the sponsors of the show, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate these companies supporting the live stream. And I appreciate all you folks out there Tuning in, I see we got a bunch of um, familiar folks in the chat. Please don't forget to hit that like button, smash it, so more people can find this uh, live stream. And uh, as always, drop your comments and questions in the chat. We'll love to make this interactive, and um, I will try to get to all those uh, questions. So, Joe, man. Um, how uh, how did you get into this great hobby of ours, reef keeping? What was your journey to uh, where you're at today? Well, my family's always had freshwater tanks, uh, nothing nothing marine related. Uh, actually, I've always wanted, even from a young age, a marine tank. But for years and years and years, if I would ask anybody about it or doing it, they would immediately deter me. They'd be like, "Ah, that's too much." <laughs> That's just, that's the whole nother animal. You don't want anything to do with that. So for a long time, I just stayed away for that reason because people told me that it wasn't, it wasn't easy. So, uh, they were scaring you while, off. What? They were scaring you off. Yes. That's exactly what they're doing, which is, <laughs> I want to do the opposite to people. It's not as hard as you think, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, after a while I was just like, well, I'll see how hard it is for myself. And uh, eventually, about eight years ago, I, I gave it a shot, and I have not looked back. But like a lot of people's journey, I started liking fish. I was in it for the fish. I, I didn't know anything about coral. I was I loved angelfish. I loved tangs. I loved all those things. But eventually, once you go to your LFS enough, you start to notice there's another side to the to the uh, reefing journey. There's coral and. Uh, once, once I bought, I think it was, I started in Zoas, uh, yeah. like the softies, the easy stuff. And, uh, once I got a taste for it, there was no looking back. No stopping it's, you. There's, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of things and it is an addiction. That's for sure. Yes, it is. My friend, it is an addiction. Yes. Um, see a whole bunch Better of all other addictions. So, yeah. <laughs> But it, it's it's a it's a healthy addiction. Let's put it that way. Not exactly. not necessarily on the wallet, though. Well, you can it you can know, be it can be. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, like like many hobbyists, I started out a hobbyist. I mean, I wasn't in it to make money right off the jump. It just kind of happened like that. You you slowly subsidize your what you're doing, and then it works out sometimes. But uh, I think if you do it right, you can you can kind of at least pay for what you're doing. You know, right? I mean? Is that kind of how it started with you and in, in the uh, the business? You were just kind of a um, a uh, pretty uh, intense hobbyist, and then you you turned uh, into a business. 
absolutely. I, I'm a collector at heart, and I still am. I, I got in, and once I started seeing some of those prettier colored rare corals you know you get that you get that bug you, it's it's it, it i don't know it just it really did something to me and i i for a long time i was just a, a collector an avid collector i i enjoyed just 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 getting the prettiest pieces i could get my hands on honestly so chris carney says uh reef keeping it's a it's a lifestyle and uh, exactly. i i agree exactly it it absolutely that's that's why I, the business is Carolina Coral has because that's all that's on my brain usually is coral. So I see, <laughs> it's a lot. I see both uh, Chris and Amanda Meckley in the chat. Greg Carroll, Great Bird of Reef. What's happening, everybody? Happy New Year, everybody. What's happening, Chris? How y'all doing? That's how, that's how I got to you, Joe, was Mr. Chris Meckley. He's like, all right, I'm going to send you a couple pictures of this guy's uh, system. You got to check him out. You got to have him on your show. <laughs> I, was, I saw your, I think it was Instagram or something like that. And I was like, oh, mackerel. He's a great guy. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's a really, he's an asset to this industry. Absolutely. Uh, and I appreciate him putting my name out there, honestly. <laughs> Chris is the best. Um, Rich Colombo, what's happening there, Rich? Um so, so was there anybody in particular when you kind of made that decision to get into reef keeping that was a big influence on you? Or did you just kind of like um, go to the local fish store a lot and just really uh, learn from, from that local fish store or fish stores? Yeah, um, so I, I'm lucky enough uh, to have three uh, LFSs within like 10 miles of my home. So that's, that's a luxury. That's absolutely luxury. Uh, Palmetto Reef, uh, fishy business, and uh, aquarium specialty. So, I, I was, you know, I was able to to really go into those shops, especially in the beginning. Palmetto Reef really, really influenced a lot of what I did. And he, uh, Will, uh, Will Garnett, kind of got me jump started into coral. He kind of, kind of look. There's this whole other side of this uh, marine life that that. I, I credit him absolutely for, for jumping me into it. So how long have you been keeping reef tanks? Uh, I was thinking about this question earlier because I figured it would get asked. <laughs> uh, I think we're, we're, we're about eight years. Eight, eight year years. Long. All right. So I'm going to show this. Uh, you, um, you, you passed along a, a short video clip here, uh, Joe, of one of your uh, systems. Yeah. It, uh, this is a top-down uh, shot, and obviously it is um, packed with SPS and that is your uh, specialty, correct? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, trying, trying to dive into to, to a little more just to have more variety, but specialty and, and my favorite SPS. Absolutely. And how big was that tank we were just looking at there the, uh, from the top down uh, shot? That's the water box 220. That's the one behind you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and how, so how many, how many systems, how many tanks do you have in your, um, in, in your uh, in your house, right? I mean, you're doing this out of your yeah. house. Yes, uh, Jason Fox Keith model for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, basement reefer. Yeah, exactly. Well, at this point, they're in every every room of our house. Yeah, every so, room. You know how it goes. Uh, I believe total we've got eight eight running tanks and uh, two dedicated quarantines because I I believe that that's very important. So. Um, eight tanks how many different systems between the eight tanks plus the two quarantines how many different systems do you have 
So, so it'd be this display, and then I have a frag tank off of the dis this display. Then I have the two quarantines and four frag tanks. One dedicated LPS tank, and then three mix mix of everything, mostly SPS. And those are their own systems. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Yes, sir. That's a lot of work, dude. That's a lot of work, you know. Ooh, you're telling me. Bro. <laughs> I hear people say, "Oh man, you got it. You got it easy." Ooh, buddy, you're further from the truth. This. This, uh, I was actually talking to Meckley earlier. I don't know if, you know, we're not in it for the money, but I don't know if we make enough of, for what mm. we do. It's just a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, no, it is. So your your primary uh, customers is the primary business um, online. Is that pretty much what you guys are, um, the, the, the clientele you're selling to is retail online? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a really good following with uh, Instagram and Facebook and we do majority of sales through direct messages. We do some online business. Uh, I encourage people to reach out anytime they, they, they have any questions or anything. But, yeah, so most of it is online. So, all right, we're getting some questions here about your uh, about your systems and, and all that stuff. And I definitely want to dive into um, you got some reef breeders right behind you. I can see that. Yes. Um, let me see here. Let's uh, let's let's take another look at um, some of these uh, pictures though that you sent me. You sent me a bunch of pictures, and I want to let's talk about coral first, there, uh, Joe, and then we'll kind of get behind the scenes in terms of how you uh, keep this stuff. So this first picture you sent me is kind of like a a group shot. It looks like I see um, I see a uh, looks like almost like a sunset millie in the back. Maybe some sort of uh, bonsai coral. There's a lot. There's a lot to take in here, man. It, there's a lot of colors. That's the uh, that's the frag tank coming off the main. That's the frag tank off. Those are some big freaking frags, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they've been sitting for a little while. We've we're actually got more systems in the works because we're you know like every reefer we're running out of real estate. You know what I mean? So trying trying to keep up with everything. Um, wow, this is a pretty big statement, Kyle Henneke. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, Joseph uh, Gaucher is one of the best aquaculture SPS sellers in the country and an even better human being. Love you, Joseph. Yeah. Appreciate that, <laughs> how, honestly. How can, oh, my I don't know about all that, but I appreciate how, that. So how can they find you uh, you guys on social media? Is it Carolina Coral Heads? Yes, sir. Uh, Carolina Coral Heads on Instagram, and we run a Facebook group, Coral Heads. Um, and our website, you can, you can always go on there. Uh, we have a phone number on there. You ever have any questions? I think our email's on there. You just shoot us some message. Any, anything you want to know. All right. Here's another. Here's another sick top down. I guess is the water box uh, that you're sitting in front of, right there. And um, wow, that uh, that. So what what are you doing, man? When you've got such overgrowth like that, you know, I uh, I, I do find that to be difficult in terms of kind of like that. Uh, little potential warfare going on there and you get some corals uh you know don't get as much flow to certain corals as you would like how uh, how often are you going in and trimming this stuff so uh we we try to trim pretty often because that's you know that's maintenance that's part of maintenance uh i was looking earlier and i'm i'm pretty confident most of these colonies are touching each other and for a long time, you know, I was a little freaked out. I was like, ah, something, something's, you know, this is going to completely cause a chemical reaction. It's just not going to go good. Knock on wood, it seems to just 
when they touch, it seems to kill the acro that's least dominant. Yeah. And then kind of just rolls like that. Knock on wood. So hopefully that continues to be the trend. But but that's what we've seen so far. Because I thought it would be they'd be killing each other, but they've seemed to live in harmony for the most part. So how how long has that tank been uh, running, or at least you know in terms of that iteration of it? This this tank has been up for four and a half five years. Four and a half five years. Gotcha. Yes. Sir. Yeah. And bare bottom, looks like. Yes. Sir. Yeah. And. Uh, actually, my first bare bottom, and it was—it's uh, not a lie. It definitely takes longer to establish. The sand definitely helps. Sand has its drawbacks, obviously, but it definitely took longer to establish. I'll say that. How much? Uh, how much rock do you have in the tank? Oh, uh, I didn't weigh, but I don't know if you can tell. It's—it's it's, you know, it's rock from bottom to you know, eighty percent up. Yeah. Uh, Probably a solid 200 pound of rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, I, I, that's that's a good point. I actually, I believe in having as much rock as you can put into a system. Interesting. Just for, I mean, that's my, which is kind of like the opposite of what a lot of um, you know, where, where a lot of folks are training to, which is like minimal aquascaping, bonsai aquascaping. That's not for you, huh? That'll never be me. My <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> That I, I want as much area for beneficial bacteria to do their thing on as, as, as they can have. Yeah, you know, I did um, in one of my systems, one of my uh, my tanks, that um, I did a, a very minimal aquascape. I think it's maybe 120 pounds of, uh, you know, rock, the Carib Sea Life Rock in, uh, in, in my 187-gallon display tank. But I have a, um, a cryptic sump plumbed into it. And so in that cryptic sump, I have um, over 100 pounds of Haitian live rock in that thing. So that's that's kind of like one of the ways I was able to kind of get around the uh, the issues. All on the, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, places for bacteria to colonize with the uh, with that cryptic sump, and it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I, you know, I'm surprised not more people do that. Yeah, well, I think it's it's probably more or less just a real estate hack. Yeah. Yeah. But but I agree. If you do have the room, that is always a, that's a great. Well, option. guys like us have the room because you know our our houses are a place of work. So no house is great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you're you're you've got tanks all over the house there, huh? Yes, sir. And your They're fiance everywhere. is uh, cool with that in terms of. Uh... Uh, he's the other half of the business, so so you know we're we're doing the we're doing the uh, Chris Meckley Amanda Meckley method where we're. Uh, <laughs> and wife trying to do this so it you know we we butt heads like anybody does on you know i i i try to push the limits a lot but you know well that's how it it's uh i i commend you i don't think i could ever do that with my wife i i love my wife but uh i don't i don't think we would that it would it would be good in terms of us uh working that closely together i think but um you know hey everybody uh, is different it's it's uh it was a learning curve like anything it was a learning curve but we're, we're kind of getting in a groove now so that's so are you guys thinking about moving into a bigger house since you're running out of space is that what's going on there well, well given the financial world and the the, the, the thing the, the way everything is not anytime soon so, dude wait you know, the, the amount of corals you got there uh you know i think you could uh you know 
be uh, pretty so, pretty uh, pretty well off there in in in, in due time. Well, uh, we we are lucky enough to have a uh, detached garage ah. that's unfinished. So I think that's the next the next move. That's where this stuff's gonna push out to. Okay, gotcha. Um, here I got another picture of a uh, of a frag rack, and uh, looks like a whole bunch of Montipora underneath that frag rack. Is that one? Yeah. Uh, I think that is uh, that was my first reef tank, the sixty. Oh, that's your first reef tank. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Is that is that the one with the clam on the right side? Yes. Yeah, that was your first reef tank, huh? My first reef tank, man. I I I I devoted myself to reefing. I'll tell you that. Like, yeah, I mean, geez, dude, that's like everything is. There's not one piece of space of real estate that's not taken up by by coral. She she was second, so it was it was after she <laughs> got full. I was like, well, and I think that's every reefer. Once you're successful enough, that's the problem. You you run out of real estate. You gotta you gotta get more. And, it's part of the problem. And that's I, that's why you get bigger tanks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Is is that in the cards? Like a potential upgrade from the water box or something bigger? I I, I have uh I have pondered with it. I actually have a Reefer nine hundred, I believe, Red Sea Reefer that I I believe that is a two sixty. It's not crazy, crazy much bigger, but uh, I toyed around with doing that, but I, I think we'll definitely have to do a bigger display in the future. Well, the way you're growing corals there, uh, Joe, I think I think that uh, might uh, be a, a realistic outcome at some point down the road, right? I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I've got to cope with it, but yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, all right, so let's um, let's get into the uh, to the equipment. There are a couple more um, pictures of coral that I'll, I'm going to come back to because they had my jaw hitting the uh, hitting the floor there. So we we got to definitely talk about uh, those uh, those corals. But I see some questions about lighting. Talk to us about lighting. I mentioned yeah. the reef breeders. Yeah. So so we uh, I've actually run reef breeders from the start. Uh, a, a lot of my method. Is if it's not broke, don't fix it. So why of. why why did you start with reef breeders? Uh, <laughs> it's it uh, actually was recommended by Will, uh, my my the Will Garnett at uh, Palmetto Reef. Uh, early on in my career, he he had some used ones. He's like, this is what I've been using. Just just give them a try. They they do the job, and and I haven't looked back since that day. It's just life's funny. It has a it has a way of working. Yeah yeah yeah. So, um, all right, what, uh, so the, I, one question here is uh, par levels. What kind of par are you getting um, out of those um, reef breeders? What, what do you like in terms of so that range? I, I actually meant to test it for you guys. And, and, and funny enough, uh, I've never, in, in my eight-year career, I've used a par meter two times. Uh, and, the, and the only time I did that, I was just curious what, what I was running up top. Uh, in my opinion, your corals will always tell you uh, if the par is too much or it's not enough. So I've always let them do the speaking for me. So I, I couldn't tell you. I'll, I'll get back to you. I, I, it's on the list. I want to test to just see where we're at. Uh, I do know three years ago when I did test it, it was like 700 up top. Ooh. But I, don't, I have turned them down a little bit because 
ever-changing dynamic environment. So I turned them down a little bit. So I don't think I'm quite, I think I'm, if I had to guess, I'd say 500. 500 at the top. And what do you think down uh, near the, near the bottom? Near the bottom, honestly, too. 200. Yeah. That's still pretty good, man. That, you know, that, that, that's a good range. Um, yeah. What, uh, what about spectrum? What kind of spectrum do you like? Uh, so I think in my opinion, where a lot of reapers go wrong is somewhere down the line, somewhere, somebody said Jason Fox only runs blue spectrum. And then that was, that was it. That's what everybody went by. You gotta have some white light in there. You gotta have some white in there. It, it especially, you know, LPS, you can get away with all blues and they'll do just fine. SPS, if you don't have that white light spectrum, they just don't, they don't grow. They don't, they're not as happy, in my opinion. That's what I've found to be the case. So we, we do a 12-hour cycle on all our tanks. Uh, we like to ramp up, just like the natural morning. We start it very low. Uh, about an hour in, we'll cut on the whites very lightly. About So it runs 10 to 10, 10 a.m., 10 p.m. Yep. About, about noon, it is... I'm ramping up the whites pretty good to hit peak. So, so from noon to four to five, I'm, I'm hitting whites pretty good. So four, so, so noon to four, peaking them out, hitting them intense, really nice. And then five o'clock, I'm coming back down all blues until, until 10. Gotcha. So that's kind of where I'm at. If, um, if somebody wanted to get, get your schedule, they could just reach out to you to, uh, to get that. And, and that's one thing I wanted to touch on because as many systems as we have, none of them are on the same schedule. Hmm. Because every single system is different. Wow. And it also, another factor that a lot of people don't uh, consider is how far the lights are off of your water, how far the corals are. Because this specific tank, you can see my SPS are right there. Yeah. You know, I rock way up there. So the lights are eight inches. That's ideal for me, uh, eight inches off the water. That's not always plausible. You can't always do that. So you have to take that into consideration. And that's why I believe every single system is different. You, you really have to just tune in your lights to your own system. What, um, what was, uh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying just when you're, when you're uh, turning your lights, don't do anything quick. Don't go from not doing any white to now I'm doing 20% white in a day. Very slow increments. I would, I would say if you're not doing any white, I would start ramping up to 5% like weekly, something like that. Um, Bryzine's Reef, not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, is one white better than, other, um, than the other warm versus cool? Not exactly sure what um, they're asking there, but I guess... Um, in terms of the uh, the spectrum, you know, the warm versus the uh, the cool part of that spectrum. I guess the best thing to do is to try to like uh, get get a copy of your, um, your 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 schedules. But like you said, you've got different uh, schedules for different tanks. That's interesting because usually, you know, it sounds like um, you know a lot of people that I well I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like if you've got a good light schedule that uh, is doing well with one tank that you would copy it and just use that for um for another tank but i understand it, it definitely makes sense to adjust it I, I never believed in that and i've always 
found it crazy when they're like, well, this is the AB plus schedule. And everybody's like, I'm using the AB plus. I'm like, every single tank is different. Every single tank. And I think a big factor, obviously, is nutrients on how much par you can give it. If you have no nutrients in your tank and you're trying to do AB plus, I mean, that might fry your corals. You know what I mean? So I, I absolutely think it's tank dependent. On, on And how, how do you break down that? I mean, how, how, how do you determine that? So, so my, in my opinion, you start the tank low because you, you start too high, you fried your corals, it's over. You bleached them, they're going to die. You start low because corals can take low light all day, every day, on the day, you know what I mean? So start it low, slowly work up your lights until you see the point where your corals are looking great. And you don't need to ramp them up anymore, but it has to be very slow increments. Like nothing, nothing good happens fast on these reefs. Nothing. So what would what would be uh, what would be your definition in terms of like taking it each, each increment? Would you say uh, go a couple of weeks and and see you know how the uh, the schedule is looking like, and if the corals are responding well, then make some tweaks and and then wait another couple of weeks. Is that kind of like what you're talking about doing? Yes, yes. I, I would absolutely, because obviously nothing's, it's not going to be overnight and this is going to happen. So I'd absolutely give it a week or two, at least a week, see see the changes, see what's going on, and, and go from there. And your corals will tell you if they're happy or not. Um, random question. Any future plans to open up a store? That's, uh, I have an Ortiz. Um, maybe. 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 It's just, it. In today's world, it's a lot of overhead for no reason, in my opinion. Uh, that's that's where I'm at currently. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It uh, it can get a little uh, pricey in terms of the uh, you know the the rent, right? You know, you don't have to pay rent when you're doing it out of your house. Absolutely. Well, you maybe you are Absolutely. paying rent. I don't know, whatever. But you, know, you don't have to you don't have to pay an extra you know set of rent. The mortgage is there. Yeah, you go. It's renting up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. Frugal reefer. All right. So you, you mentioned uh, nutrients there, Joe. Where does Joseph keep his parameters at? Alk, nitrates, phosphates, etc. Absolutely. Um, so this, all of our tanks, we try to target nine alkalinity. That's that's just we don't like it too close to the low zone, too close to the high zone. Right in the middle is good for us. Four twenty calcium. Uh, 1400 magnesium but more importantly i think that a lot of people uh don't take phosphate as serious as they should um i think as far as uh parameters go phosphate alkalinity are very close to how important they are in my opinion so our phosphate for a long time we just like to keep it uh 0.1 range uh and we started experimenting. We dropped it a little bit just to see. We didn't. We don't want to drop it too much because we weren't we were seeing good results. Lately, we've been keeping it 0 0.05 to 0 0.08 range, and that keeps some of that bad algae at bay and all that stuff. We're still giving the corals enough nutrients to be happy. So that's that's where we've been lately. And when it creeps to point one, that's when we start to you know do an extra water change, whatever we got to do to kind of bring that back down. Well, uh, how often do you test for phosphate, and what are you using to test? We're testing every day for every level. Really? And, uh, 
Yeah, we're, and, and and here's something else that a lot of people probably don't believe. We hand dose everything everywhere. You hand dose <laughs> everything. Wow. Sexy answer, but that's what we do, man. We hand. Do you? How, how do you go away on vacation or something like that? Uh, we've actually trained my mother to. Uh, <laughs> we we've got this down to a science, and and uh, so you know, knock on wood, that's that's specific instructions for anybody that's tank sitting. They're they're written down and they're left <laughs> out. They're Same instructions, but they're left there, and I and I call to make sure. Hey, did you? Uh, just, <laughs> So you don't have any, you know, uh, controllers, things monitoring that you can tell what's going on from a distance. That's that's another thing that's probably gonna blow people's mind. I run zero, zero controllers, nothing. 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 Bare bones. Nothing. Uh, I do have uh, cameras pointed and everything, so when I'm out of town, I keep an eye on stuff. But as far as parameters go, no. And knock on wood, there's. You know, there shouldn't be any swings since we're hand doing everything. That's kind of how we look at it. But yeah, it's it's scary. We I will say uh, the uh, the training my mother was a learning curve uh, <laughs> years and years ago when we first started this. Um, she accidentally put some tap water in my fish food. Uh. Uh, put it in there, and the only reason I knew is I came back and I had some really nasty algae. I'm like. Sure, you didn't do anything different than what I said. And eventually she's like, Well, I did use tap water. And I'm like, Oh, no. There you go. Like, you get over it. It could have been worse, dude. Oh, it could have been absolutely. <laughs> um, so, how do you handle uh, controlling nutrients? What, uh, what, what are your methods there in terms of um, removal and additions? Yeah, um, we run every single system uh, very simple. Uh, kiss method all day. Keep it simple, stupid. Like just, just absolutely bare bones. We have a skimmer, and we have a UV. That that is it. And the UV obviously doesn't do anything for nutrients, but the skimmer is all we have. And then we do weekly water changes. Weekly water changes. And um, what about um, so? There's no. Uh, you've got nothing in terms of dosing bacteria. Nothing in terms of phosphate removal. Uh, GFO. None of that stuff. None of that stuff. I I believe solely it's uh you, you have to put the right bioload. If you get the right bioload in your system, you will have to do that. You're not using you're, you're not, not using macroalgae or anything. I've never in my life run a refugium. Uh, I've always been fascinated with them. I thought they were pretty, but uh, they just haven't been in my just haven't been in my uh, map. I, I don't know. I just haven't ever done that and. I've had these results without it. Well, so. I could tell you right now, man, in terms of looking the uh, the uh, the density of the corals in that uh, water box behind you, you know, that's what you're uh, the that's doing the heavy lifting in terms of the uh, nutrient removal, you know, in terms of the phosphate and the yeah. nitrate removal. Absolutely. Uh, so let's just say if I go one day without feeding this tank, the next day is not going to be good. Uh, if if I missed a day and we're at point. Let's just hypothetically say we're on the low end, the 0 0.05 uh, where we're at, and if we miss a day, this sucker is going to be like 0 0.02, so there is no missing another day. You need to you need to get food into the system, you know what I mean? Because of what you just said, those corals suck. And and so when you talk about food, are you talking about coral specific food? Are you talking about fish food? Are you talking about a combination, homemade type of deal? 
So, so we actually don't feed SPS at all. We do feed our LPS tanks because they seem to enjoy that. I've never noticed a difference with the SPS. We let the fish kind of do that for us. Um, the only thing we feed this specific tank is LRS, frozen food. Frozen food. Um, so what, what happened, uh, you know, when you started up a system, right? If you're not using any uh, like macroalgae or GFO or any other um, you know type of nutrient control besides water changes in a skimmer, uh, when you ran into, did you ever run into problematic algae, cyano, stuff like that? So, uh, so before this system got started, I actually cooked the rock in a vat for eight months prior to this, to even launching this tank. <laughs> Then when I set this tank up, I did not turn the lights on for two months. Uh, just did not have any light running. I put a, I put uh, a tang in, I mean, no, I'm sorry, clownfish. I put two clownfish in there to kind of get, get everything going in there because they very hardy. They don't, you know, they yeah. can do anything They yep. don't care. Um, so one thing I will say is it's very, very difficult to do any tank off of dry rock, which seems to 100% dry rock, which seems to be the trend these days. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Uh, we did probably 90% dry rock because I was actually unfamiliar prior to this tank, and 10% some existing uh, live rock from another tank. If I did it again, I'd do more live rock. The more live rock, the better, obviously, you know, more life. It took a long time to get this thing established and ready for me to put some SPS in it. I'll say yeah, that. yeah. No, that's uh, that's interesting because um, it, it doesn't look like there's a are there a lot of fish in there? I don't see a lot swimming by. So so I've got two purple tangs, a yellow tang, a naso tang, and two clownfish. So you got a lot, not, of, but mostly workers. Mostly yeah, you got workers. a lot of utilitarian fish there that uh, have their uh, jobs right and. Um, yeah, no, it's that's uh, that's impressive, man. Because you've you, you've obviously got the right balance going on there, so you don't have any. You know, it seems like you don't have any ongoing algae issues or nutrient uh, problems. And do you um, do you ever dose nitrates or phosphates versus adding food? I I am pretty against doing anything chemically that's not natural. I I honestly like to keep things as natural as possible. Unless there is a dire need and it's there's no choice, I got to do it. But mostly, if it's if it's too low, I'm feeding more. If it's too high, I'm doing water changes until it's where I want it. I will say I have dosed uh, Microvector Seven in the past wow. to bring down phosphate. It does pretty good. I'm pretty sure, you know, who knows what's in that stuff, but. It, it does a pretty good job, and like anything, you've got to be careful. Don't don't overdo anything because slower the better in this hobby. So uh, Meckley uh, said uh, he doesn't dose cockwasser, and he's uh, kind of <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> so that that also seems to be the new trend, and I I know uh, that's that, that's big for Meckley, and 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 I respect that, and I, I you know for me. If it's not broke, don't fix it type of deal. I think, uh, I was talking to Chris earlier, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my next system. I'm going to maybe fool around with Catwalzer because I know. I know doing what I do, there's benefits to higher pH or, or keeping it keeping it in range, you know, because I, I have uh, 
suppressed pH. That's that's what's uh, what, what's your pH range? So on a good day during the day, it's like eight, and you know, nighttime it drops. So uh, it's not great. That's not a great pH, but it's working. It works. I think. I, I know from, from having other tanks and we open the windows and when it gets above eight, everything seems happier. And I know that's I know that to be true and based off of what I've seen. But we're just trying to keep things as simple as possible. When you once you add another element to everything, that's something else that could fail while I'm out of town or, you know, wherever. So I, I, I miss this, I think. Um, in terms of calcium alkalinity additions, did you say you're doing a two part or are you doing calcium reactor? Uh, we, we actually have always stuck with two-part, back to the, it's always what's worked for me. We run um, ESV. Yeah. It's got got the traces yep. in both of them. Uh, we'll send out monthly ICPs. Oh, you do ICPs. We do ICPs. Uh, you know, when you're doing it on this level, I think it'd be just no bueno not to be sending ICPs in. You, you, you got to know if there's something that's in your water that might be creeping up. Yeah. You want to know that. So, um, absolutely. so you're not dosing then. So when you're getting back those ICP tests, you're just kind of using those as a, uh, as a kind of like a marker or, or just something to red flag something. You're not uh, adjusting individual trace element dosing. You're not dosing individual trace elements, right? So, uh, when we get the ICPs back, we will individually dose trace elements. Okay. Based off, based off of what the readings are. So uh, normally, you know, once once you do it enough, you kind of get a pattern. Um, we know the couple things that are depleted in here. It's usually like vanadium, molybdenum, uh, think things like that. And you know, I know uh, programs like Reef Moonshine or those do it daily. And I have nothing against that, but I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think you really have to do that to be successful. What are you uh, What are you using for uh, for traces? Uh, I'm actually using uh, Triton. <laughs> Triton traces. <laughs> gotcha. Um, Chris says once you go calc, you will never go back to what you're <laughs> doing. <laughs> he's he's pushing that hard. Chris is. <laughs> Trust me, it's it's next system is gonna have some cow. We're gonna we're gonna work this thing. I, I let me tell you, man. Chris uh, Chris turned me on to the Cogwasser thing. I mean, I've been using Cogwasser for years, but not to the degree that uh, I started to do when when Chris turned me on to his method. And um, you know, I'd been using Cogsters, so I think that had certainly been diluting the uh, Cogwasser that I've been do dosing to my systems because I, I use calcium reactors, and that had been. Um, suppressing my uh, pH and, and the cockwasser has certainly helped uh, elevate it. But um, yeah, it, um, it definitely, but dude, I mean, it, it doesn't look like you, uh, you need a lot of, uh, you know, uh, help in terms of growing corals. Well, you know, wait, for now, <laughs> everything changes, <laughs> but yeah, it's going. Um, Ari's asking, getting back to the lights, uh, questions about what you're using for the reef breeders. Are they uh, the Photon V2s? Is that what you're using? These are the uh, V2s, yep. Is that the latest and the greatest version of the uh, reef breeders or no? Uh, no, sir. They have one out, I believe, called the Meridian now. Gotcha. I don't know if it's out. Uh, Tom202, what are you using for salt? 
uh, Red Sea Blue Bucket. Um, so we actually switched to Tropic Marine for years until that whole debacle happened. And after that happened, I don't know, I kind of just lost trust for the company. And, and once you do that, you know, I, I hate to even say that on air, but like I just, I couldn't get back to that. It's just too much at risk here. So Red Sea, for the most part, from anybody I've ever known that uses it, it's pretty consistent. So, uh, oh, and and what uh, percent? How often and what percent water changes are you doing? Uh, it's a uh, weekly water changes, and I would say it's about fifteen percent. Fifteen percent? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good sizable uh, water change. Yeah, it is. You know, we uh, most of the squirrels are out of water when it's happening, so. Uh, what was another, um, question? Oh, um, maintenance, uh, routine. What, what, what's your typical, besides the water changes, what's your typical, uh, maintenance on a weekly basis? Uh, just literally testing every single day, uh, scraping the sides and, and, and I'm, I'm very anal in particular. So every night to every single tank, I'm taking a flashlight, checking things out, making sure everything's kosher. Uh, if, if something's not right the next day, I'll have to address it. That type of deal. Uh, you know, just, just honestly, hus just husbandry to his core, just maintaining. You know, you, your, your methods, uh, Joe, remind me of a guy that uh, I've had on this show many, many times, uh, Dong Zo. I don't know if you've uh, seen him on my uh, show or not. Um, he, um, he's, uh, he, he uses the reef breeder, uh, lights and he runs very bare bones, uh, systems and he grows the crap out of, uh, SPS. So, uh, I definitely see some parallels there. Just that, that keeping it simple type of methodology is, um, something that, uh, these days is, uh, kind of, um, you know, unique, I think versus back in the, yeah. uh, the day. I, uh, in my humble opinion, I think that a lot of reefers overcomplicate, uh, <laughs> like I did the word, <laughs> overcomplicate things. I really do. I, I think they just, they go way too hard on the equipment side because that's what they see is, you know, in style is going on. But you don't need all that fancy equipment. I think you can, I think you can do this, you know, fairly cheap, you know, you know. Relatively. Oh, no, for sure. Absolutely. Um, question about um, RTN, STN from Sturgis Reef. Have you ever had any issues with RTN and STN? Um, when I do, when I do, I normally know the issue. Uh, it's because another coral is touching another coral and it's getting out of hand, so I need to separate them. I did, you know... You, you haven't been in the hobby long enough if you haven't had a crash or anything. So I, I've had a, a, you know, a moment where I had an entire tank kind of shedding. Uh, that was more negligence on my part. It was more in the beginning of my journey and I wasn't testing nearly enough. You know, you know, I got, I got real complacent. Uh, oh, everything's good. It's good. And it's good until it's not good. And it mm -hmm. wasn't good when it was, when it was not good. It wasn't good. So, uh, I definitely have. Uh, the biggest thing I can say is just really stay on top of your parameters. Really stay on top of things. ICPs are really a good thing. I know they're not applicable, applicable to everybody, um, but as much as you can do them, I would do them. 
Have you ever used, I, I see a question here from um, Tom202, any Cipro usage? Have you used any uh, antibiotics to combat any RTN, SDN issues, or have um, you just done big water changes? Which is so another... I've never used them for SPS. Uh, I have used Cipro for LPS. Um, I had some gonies not doing so hot at a, at a certain time, and I had um, some dialysis not doing so hot. So. I'd heard Cipro was a was a good alternative for them, and and I, I used it and had pretty good success. Knock on wood, I've never had to really mess with anything with the SPS side like that. Yeah, you know, it's um it's something that uh, it, a lot of uh, a lot of reefers will run into. But like you said, you know, a lot of times it's something that you can kind of figure out pretty easily in terms of uh, user error. So uh, you know, it's. I think uh, it, it, it's a whole new frontier in terms of coral pathogens and figuring out treatments, and, and a lot of it's we're winging it where we really are. Absolutely. I, I don't think there, – there are no experts in our field, so uh, I think everything we do is winging it. I mean, just, just look at humans, uh, how many pathogens come out every year that we have no idea about, you know. We'll never fully – I don't think we'll ever fully get a grasp on it, but hopefully we'll learn – more and more as we go about speaking of the pathogens um you're so you're using uv 24 7 or just in certain yeah. yep why uh, why why uh, uv um so uh what actually prompted it is uh early on in the journey heck uh two years into this i was getting some nuisance algae and i think that actually was coming from the existing 10 percent live rock it had spread and and to the other dry rock and it, it was becoming problemsome, so, uh, you know, I heard uh, UVs are pretty solid for that, and, and I started running one, and it really made a world of difference, and I haven't looked back. Uh, I've actually started implementing them on all the systems now when I get a chance. Yeah, I run UV as well, too. You know, I think that, um, you know, obviously it's not going to kill every uh, pathogen in your tank in terms of fish yeah. pathogens and coral pathogens and all that stuff. I think that's a common misconception. Uh, you know, I, I think majority of your stuff's on the rocks and substrate and everything. I, the free floating, I think, is enough to where it can get zapped and be okay. Berigas Sr. makes a statement that I totally agree with. Just get, want to get your opinion on it. A lot of new reefers get on a chemical bandwagon and never get their tank chemistry stable, turns it into a roller coaster ride for the in, inhabitants. Did, have you ever gotten into the whole... Uh, you know, treating a tank with, um, you know, ChemiClean to get rid of cyano and stuff like that? Are you just true, you know, um, roll up your sleeves, hard work, and and uh, stick to the basics of trying to, like, combat stuff like that? Uh, to be honest, it's 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 more of just I want to get, get to the bottom of it and, and really just do as much as I can without having to chemically do it. I've always been like that because in my head it makes sense to not manipulate these systems in any way that you don't have to like that. So that's Yeah, you know, I always say to people that ask that kind of question or, or bring it up and, and is, you know, my, my point is that you got to know what the root cause is of the problem. You know, if you don't know what is causing the issue and you nuke the tank with uh chemiclean or something like that. And uh, yeah, you're going to get rid of the, uh, the cyano for a while, but it will eventually come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 
so yes, I, I agree. You, you really just need to get majority of the time. You know, there's always flukes, but majority of the time, it's something to do with your chemistry. Majority of the time, in my opinion. So you just need to you just need to do some testing, and you need to figure out what's going on. Well, I find it interesting, man. You're doing daily testing. What what uh, test kits do you use? So we actually use Hanna. We have we have duplicates of everything just to test behind those because you can't trust anything. I don't trust anything. That's why we don't have any controllers or anything. Um, the only one that's not Hanna is calcium. We use Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, why is that? Uh, I've heard that it wasn't as accurate, and when I had it for ourselves, it didn't match up with I, what I thought it should be, so I, I kind of exonate that one. I, and I did some research, and people were getting the same results. They said it was a little high or low. Is the stuff that you're testing with the Hanna kits uh, lining up pretty close to your ICP test results? It, it, they are, honestly. Really? Not going yeah, well, that's that's a good uh, marker. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. A couple of random questions. Uh, Frugal Reefer, any experience with bubble algae? I just manage it, but can't seem to get rid of it 100%. Um, so if you're if it's an option and you have a bigger tank, tangs, naso tangs destroy bubble algae. But I do not recommend putting a naso tang in a smaller tank because it's just it's it's a little cruel. Because they, they need some room to swim around for sure. Um, other than that, honestly, I've I've messed with Emerald crabs. Uh, if we get them in our other smaller systems that we don't have a naso in, I kind of will let it just do its thing. I'll kind of manage it manually if I can pick it out and do what I can with it. Uh, normally, it doesn't affect anything too bad, and and majority of people have it in my opinion. So it's, as long as you just kind of keep it at bay yep um a sort of related question uh big es keep joe joseph what are your guys best utilitarian fish in your tanks tangs tangs by far yeah um, i i agree and you gotta just uh it's it's a bit of a um uh you know the pecking order in terms of when you're adding the tangs you got to be careful absolutely so I've got two purple tangs in here, and that's not common to really have two purples in a system this size because purples uh, normally are super aggressive, and you know these are no exception. They're they're very they're very aggressive, but uh, it's it's all in how you add them. Uh, if you can, I would add everybody at the same time. That's the best option. Uh, obviously, that's not always a viable option. Yeah. Um, what what I have found because I did have to. We had another naso in here, and, and something happened, so we did have to replace her uh, six months ago, and I was very scared for that. I was very scared because tangs are very unforgiving. Yeah. Once, yeah. They, once some, somebody's in their territory, that's it. So uh, what I did is I turned the system off. I didn't want to do it, but I turned the lights off for two days, uh, put a mirror on the side of the tank, and, and introduced – when I did introduce that tang, I did it at nighttime. Uh, so the lights were already off, and then for two days I kept them off with a mirror there, and it seemed to do the trick. It seemed so to you, do the you, trick. You turned the lights off in that SPS dominant tank. That must have scared the crap uh, out of you, dude. When you do something like that, <laughs> let me. You better test every every twelve hours, not <laughs> reading on that. Let me. <laughs> it, um, it was one of the 
situations where I, I needed her for nutrients and I just needed that to work out. So Sturgis Reef, Tangs and Rabbit Fish for sure. I I I uh I agree with that. Um I've got fox face uh I got fox faces in every one of my frag tanks and not in my display tanks, but in every one of my frag tanks. They're great uh, utilitarian fish. That's one fish I've always been scared of is fox faces. Just of the, because uh, Pikes and I've heard. I know, man. I, you know, so I, I, you know, frag tanks. You got your hands in those frag tanks a lot, and I, I have my hands in my frag tanks a lot, and I got all those, you know, fox faces in there. And knock on wood, it hasn't happened to me yet. <laughs> but it's, uh, I got one that's like, you know, we've got kind of like a good yin and yang going. Where I, you know, I got my hand in there, and he knows that I'm in there and stuff, and he stays away from me, but. Um, there's been a couple of close calls. I'm not sure exactly sure how I'm going to react if it happens. I, I think that's another thing that we need to stay humble about what's in these tanks because a lot of stuff we don't know what's in these tanks. You know, it, it comes as a hitchhiker, bacteria, whatever. Just, just yeah, yeah. Just be careful when dealing with your tank. I, I try to get in my tanks as little as I can. Um, Barry Goss Sr. talks about uh, my powder blue, uh, powder blue tangs. My powder blue tang is a ass, uh, ass hat whoops a big hippo tanks. Basically, I think Barry is saying that uh, powder blues are assholes, and uh, I concur. <laughs> I, had, I had the most beautiful powder blue hybrid that I added to the system four years ago, and he didn't have such a good outcome as, as the Mesa. The uh, the two purples just completely manhandled him, and, and uh, you know, it, like anything, coral fish is hard. The, the, yeah, you don't, yeah. Powder blues are gorgeous, and and uh, I had one recently in my uh, peninsula tank, and it was the last tang that I added to that tank, and it was very small powder blue versus all the other tangs in that uh, tank. But then he got a little bigger, and he got a lot bolder, and he turned into the biggest, you know, jerk. And that whole uh, tank, and I had to get rid of them. So, well, broke my heart. At least he's still, is he still alive? Have you kept up with him? Yeah, no, I gave him to Dong. And um, <laughs> Dong, he was, he was a model citizen in Dong's eight-foot-long uh, frag <laughs> tank. And then he turned on all the other people, all the other fish in that tank, and Dong had to get rid of it. So, I don't know what to say. If anybody else out there has had good experiences with powder blue tanks, I'd be very interested to hear about that because I've had two bad experiences with them and, and um, I'm not going to do the old, uh, you know, third strike thing. I'm not even going to attempt the third powder blue. Uh, point, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let's talk about pest prevention, man. How, um, how do you handle that? You said you got two quarantine systems. What's, um, what's your protocol for bringing in new stuff? So anytime we get anything, we're absolutely – not only cutting the base off, we cut a little bit above where the base is, just because all the nasty stuff tends to hang out near the base. Um, before anything touches any of our quarantines, I, I immediately, so this is something that me and Meckley were talking about. Uh, a lot of people, in my opinion, go wrong when they receive a coral. Uh, they temp acclimate it in the bag, in their tank, and then they'll, uh, drip acclimate it in a bucket. In my humble opinion, the best option is to uh, take, if you're going to dip it, and I do recommend dipping it. We're talking about Acropora here. Sir? We're talking about Acropora SPS. 
Yeah, honestly. Anyway. Okay. Um, uh, when you get it, I recommend dipping it. Our stuff's clean, but you just you just never know these days. Uh, yeah, you got to dip no matter where you get a coral from. Expression: If I got it from my mom, I dip. <laughs> Even though she'll add fresh water to the uh, dip, right? <laughs> she got that goldfish tank, but I'm dipping. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll cut as much as we can off. I will physically inspect that coral uh, when we get it in my own water. I, I remove it out of the waters existing in as fast as I can because when you're shipping a coral, in my opinion, the water becomes tainted. When, you know, it's, 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 it's being stressed out. It's letting out whatever, whatever. The pH is dropping, blah, yada, yada. You want to get that coral in fresh water as fast as you can. And your tank water, whatever. So my opinion, I put it in a dipping container, whatever you've got, of your tank water as fast as you can. Um, then you can go about, or you can already have it, obviously, if you're anticipating a coral coming, you can already have another uh, vat mixed up with your dip. Our dip of choice currently is uh, Polylab, uh, potassium salts type deal. Um we have experimented. Uh, the bottle says five minutes. Don't try this at home. This is our own findings. Um, we'll dip for like 10 hours. Uh, 10 hours. <laughs> and I say that, but um, it initially goes into the Polylab dip for two hours. Then I'll switch it to another container of fresh tank water with Polylab dip. Uh, after that, and then one more, a fresh polylab dip until I'm satisfied and, and I don't think there's anything going on. I'm very, very anal about even what goes in the quarantine. Yeah. Um, Ten hours. So what are you doing in that dip, man? Are you got a little powerhead going? Are you got any uh, anything else, a little uh, oxygenation happening there? Are you doing anything That's, special? Uh, so all you need is a powerhead. You don't, you don't even need a bubbler or anything like that. If you've got a power head, and you don't even have to leave the power head on the entire time, as long as you're periodically turning it on for an hour, turning it off, um, just need a little water flow. Excuse me, and I've actually done it without anything and been just as successful. Uh, corals don't even skip a beat. They don't even know anything happened. Um, so I'm very pleased with that so far. Yeah, Ari's asking, what is his coral loss percent doing it that way? I haven't had it. No. Uh, so, so not right off the bat. I've had some very delicate pieces, specioso, that were already known to be delicate. The pieces I got were wild. They died like a couple weeks in, but I don't think it had anything to do with the dip. So what, what happens? Um, all right, so you, you bring in some wild pieces or maricultured pieces or what have you. You say that um, you immediately will uh, you know cut them off from the base, even above the uh, the base. A little bit yes. uh you do the dip um the polyp lab uh dip you're uh, you doing an inspection are you using a microscope to check out for eggs and whatnot for the aquating flatworms um i'm not i'm using a magnifying, magnifying glass, glass. Everything. uh really really uh i'll put them in a white container and get a, a really strong flashlight and really get to looking at everything uh Normally, you'll be able to see if something's going on. If, if something's biting at it, if there's irritation, you'll be able to see that. Um, but I make sure, absolutely, for anything even goes in the quarantine. And so once it hits the first quarantine, that's observation. Uh, 
we make sure nothing funny is going on for months. We do the two to three months of sitting in there. Once we're happy and there's nothing weird going on, it goes to the second. And then from there, it can go on. To so the in, in that first quarantine, are you you doing that just that one dip and then it, you're doing observation after that one dip? Or are you doing multiple dips? Um, I will say if I do receive a coral and I see anything wanky, I'll just toss the coral. I don't even risk it. Really? So if if, if if it's something and, and, and it just it just doesn't feel right and there's a lot of pests, it's not worth it's not worth it to me. It's just not worth it. What about in the uh, in the second quarantine system? You again, are you doing um, any dipping in that uh, system? If things are um, even if things are um, looking good, are you dipping or are you not dipping? If it's actually in that uh, second quarantine, we're running um, the name blanks me. What's the uh, the dog? Uh, Oh, interceptor. interceptor. I was going to ask so you about that. Uh, before they make it out of there, just to cover our bases. And obviously, we're still inspecting very hard every day. Um, so we're just covering our bases. We really, once you get something in these systems, good luck getting them out. It's tough. So I was going to so ask you, really if, that, if that ever happens, like what's your, uh, what, what, what would be your procedure if you got, if, if something got into one of your, uh, you know, main systems. So, so what, what we've done, uh, currently what we're doing, like this tank hasn't had any new coral added to it in two years. Uh, this will never get any more new coral added to it ever. It's not worth my risk. It's not worth anything. So once a tank's full and I'm happy with it, it never gets any more new coral just to try to limit, you know, anything. Yeah. And that's smart. Um, absolutely. That's, so that's what we try to do. If we have had, we've had one of the quarantines bust out in white bugs before. Um, and with white bugs, we had to do a three times the normal dose interceptor. Uh, and we did that three weeks in a row just to be safe. And knock on wood, it, it did the job. Yeah. So I see a comment. I got an itch in my ear here. Um, I see a comment from Blue Reef. Dip's not going to kill the eggs. So, yeah, I mean... You know, in, in, in theory, one dip is not going to kill the eggs for sure, right? And So that's where visual inspection comes in. Uh, normally, the eggs are not going to be so small you can't see them. If you're really looking, you'll find something. Uh, now that's not 100%. Nothing's 100%. But if you're looking and you're running quarantines, then it shouldn't really matter. But that's my opinion. Yeah, you know, I think... Um, <clears throat> A series of weekly dips over time will break the life cycle, right? So if you're able to, if you're able to do weekly dips, whatever you're using as a, as a dip, um, from what we know from the life cycles of acquiring flatworm, the eggs specifically, in terms of how long it takes for the uh, for the uh, worms to hatch out of the eggs, if you do those weekly dips. I think it, I can't recall, it might be an eight or nine week uh, cycle or something like that, then um, you could potentially, um, you know, eliminate any acroweeding flatworms that way if you miss the eggs. Yes. Uh, I don't even want to say it out loud. Knock on wood, I haven't had to deal with that yeah. thus far. Uh, so I know, I know. It's a nasty from- thing. I know from fellow reefers and, and other vendors, that's not something you want to mess with. And that's, it's, it's, 
that's where the quarantines come into play. If you have to use the quarantines, do, do not jeopardize your main system. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, um, Oh, uh, one thing we didn't talk about, uh, Joe, and I've seen a couple of comments or questions yeah. about this is flow, right? What about, uh, flow in your tanks? Uh, this particular system has four MP forties about midway on each side. So two on each side midway. And then I'm running uh, two Gyre 350s, uh, about 75% of the way up. And the Gyres cover the top really well. You have to keep them clean. I'll sh I I'll say that again. They're they, a pain they in the ass, dude, to clean, man. So I got to keep them pretty clean. But they do a heck of a job as far as flow goes and spread. I don't think you can really beat those. Gyres do it very well. Do, do a good job. What and, and so what kind of uh, program do you have the gyros set on? Um, so it's like a custom deal. Um, I have them ramping up to I think forty percent, and and that's another uh, a good point is uh, flow, specifically SPS. SPS can take a lot more flow than I think people give them credit for, um, but it cannot be direct, streamlined flow. It has to be. Crest, one on, one off. Uh, I had a, I don't know if you can see it, I had an MP40 fall on this side, and this was a massive orange uh, Monty cap. And it was, and the MP40 fell to the bottom one day, and it was sitting there blowing on this Monty for one day, and it completely destroyed this Monty Ooh. because it was too much flow. That sucks. Um, yeah. Uh, so since that day, I've changed everything to Crest. I mean, I, I knew that this one should have been, but it's it's such a mid-range uh, powerhead. I kind of just had it going all the time, and nobody was affected by it. But now everything is kind of on, off. Uh, that's a big thing is you, you just – they can take a lot of flow, just not direct all the time. So, so it sounds like a lot of randomized flow and a lot of strong yes. flow. Random is the key, absolutely. Yep. Um, Ari makes a good, um, has a good question. Does he have to blow out the big colonies manually too? So I think what Ari's talking about is detritus. Do you ever get in there with a power head to blow out, uh, some detritus? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so I'll, I'll just do the old fashioned turkey baster. Um, so I'll get the turkey baster out and you know, that's, that's weekly. I'll do that weekly just because they're so big at this point, they're settling spots. So for sure. Um, I'll also... Uh, since everything's done manually, and I know people, I'm gonna get flack for this. <laughs> even our top offs manual. So. Even your what top off is? Top off. Holy shit, dude! Way. Really? <laughs> so we'll we'll let it run low, uh, just to get those bubbles, just get a little scrubbing action up top. Sometimes even <laughs> all the time. Nice. Uh, seems to work well. Seems to work well. <laughs> little micro bubble action there from the uh, low water in the sump. <laughs> Are you uh, using filter socks for mechanical filtration? Um, so in the beginning and with the, the first reef tank, I was all filter socks. When this tank came around, I was, I was about done with filter socks. I'm not – as anal as I am, in my mind, it did not make sense to wash a filter sock in your washer that also has, like, your detergent and everything. I don't know. It just never made sense to me, so I was always against it. When this, when I got this tank, I looked in the other options and I saw people were using uh, filter floss and just a media cup. I'm like, 
Throw the floss away every week. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> it's run floss in here. Gotcha. Um, Rich Colombo's asking, temp is not controlled? Question mark. Not even a, uh, a Ranko. In, uh, this is another big one. Uh, zero systems have a heater running. Uh, we really? are 100% <laughs> temp controlled by the ambient air. Whoa. Uh, wow. I was, I was, so, I was so, uh, always, uh, starting out this hobby, everybody said the biggest thing that will fail you is your heater period. That's always what I heard. I'm like, man, I got way too much this <laughs> for a $50 heater to take me down. So, uh, we, we kind of keep our, uh, our main unit on, 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 you know, in, in the winter it's like 68, 70. And then right now it's 72. I mean, I mean in the summer we're doing 68 and right now we're doing like 72 and it keeps everybody at a stable, like 74, 76. And we do have temp swings daily, but I've never really noticed anything negative off of that. Uh, so what what is your temperature uh, range typically? Uh, this big tank, because it's a bigger water volume, it will typically stay 77. So it goes from 60, uh, 76 to 78. Our other smaller frag tanks, they'll drop, they'll, they'll range three degrees on a bad day, you know. So, so I really don't have a negative effect. So even in the hot... South Carolina summers, you're not you're not chilling your water. No, uh, no, I'm letting the main unit do it for sure. So you're running the um, AC in the house. Is that what you're uh, doing? R running the AC in the house. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ne next investment, we have generators. I was going to ask that question. I need a whole home generator. That's the next investment. Yeah, dude, you gotta get you gotta get a full house backup I, generator. I got I got one of those, and I also have a portable generator in case the uh, the full house uh, backup generator kicks the bucket. Redundancy, redundancy, smart. smart. Yeah, that's uh, you know I like I like two return pumps in my tanks. Um, you know, have a spare skimmer, right? Have a spare light. Have uh, have a spare everything just in case. Yeah, so I so uh, I don't know if you remember when we were talking. I, I'd asked about the uh, TDS. My I, oh yeah, I I have a, a big RO RODI unit, and uh, I installed a new uh, chloramine monster filter. I've already had one on there, but I installed a new one, and it was giving me uh, a reading of like eight parts per million, and that didn't really make any sense to me because I was like zero to my knowledge, and if I in my and, and so things happen and this is this is the hobby in a nutshell so i did test for like two weeks on on my inline tds meter for some reason or another life gets to you and i, I and that's all me i should have definitely been testing but i didn't test and then when i checked it it was eight tds uh and i'm freaking out and i'm like i cannot use eight tds for anything i can't use that for top off so i need filters like right now and i and i actually had every filter but membranes uh so needless to say i have membranes now <laughs> but uh when i got off the phone with you uh, i talked to another buddy and he was like well those inline meters are trash have you tested with a secondary uh yes uh. tester i'm like i actually have it let me do that and zeros across the board it was the inline tester so uh. 
Warriors have multiple testers because you just don't. Uh, I don't even like turn my meters on anymore. You know, I got Spectra Pure uh, RODI units. I don't even turn them on because I just basically swap out all my filters every three or four months. That's smart. That's really smart. Yeah. That's really um, but um, you know, and, and in terms of the membranes, though, uh, that's that's another deal. I guess they say between two to five years, so that's kind of a big, wide uh, range. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I Six months and we're pushing it a year. Oh yeah, pushing. pushing. I, 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 mean, I don't know the last time I changed my membrane. I gotta do that. <laughs> this is your time. You need to change it. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm bad. Chris Carney said, uh, "I've never used a chiller here in South Carolina." So yeah, you know, it's also because you're using LEDs. You know, if you had halides, yeah. then that's uh, a whole different story. Correct. Um. That's one, uh, one thing that actually helps us in the winter and hurts us in the summer, excuse me, is the UV. As you know, the UV will heat it up uh, just, just yeah. a couple um, It helps us right now, but in the summer, we just have to turn that unit down a little more to compensate for the UV. Um, Ari's asking, yeah. uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Ari's asking, did his ICP test show silicates or any other contaminants in the RO water when it was at 8 TDS. Did you see anything in the ICP? Um, so, so I had just received the uh, chloramine monster filter and just tested it, so I didn't have enough time to send the ICP or anything out. Um, I'm suspecting everything was at zero and the inline uh, TDS meter was inaccurate. That's what I think. Because uh, I had two, I, I bought two TDS meters and checked them. They were both zero, so. Great uh, beard of reef, Paul. I change my dual membranes at least yearly. Yeah, I'm slacking. Yeah. Uh, that's something I gotta. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> Sturgis reef membrane should be yearly as best practice. Everything depends on your water source. So yeah, I I, I think I, I remember consulting with uh, somebody uh, some somebody in the technical um, uh, department over at Spectapure, and and it, and it sounded like I I had uh, my water source was a pretty darn good water source it's not uh, i'm not on like town water or anything like that i got my own um um water are you well yeah well water lucky lucky man yeah. i'm on city yeah it's, uh, uh it's okay champion but they okay yeah i was gonna say champion landing supply no one ever changes the batteries on the inline tds meters yeah that happened to me i i never i never <laughs> checked mine and I went to check it like once after like a couple of years, and I I pressed the uh, the buttons to turn them on. They didn't turn on, so the batteries died on me. I you know what? That's probably a very viable option because uh, I have not changed those in years. So it definitely could be an yeah. option. All right, man. I'm I'm saving kind of like the best for last year. These uh, these coral pictures that I didn't um, show at the beginning when I was showing the other stuff here. What the hell is this, dude? uh <laughs> is this like some sort of grafted coral uh, it's the uh the fourth well, picture you sent me that's uh that's actually our um icarus grandmother the uh, the, the original icarus how do you, how do you uh, spell that uh i-c-a-r-u-s i-c-a-r-u-s wow is this uh also the same picture of it um blue too close to the sun is that um <laughs> you gave me two is that two pictures you sent of the same coral so, so the second uh, one that looks very similar is the uh, Icarus mini colony that we have. Okay. It's not experiencing any grafting, 
but the grandmother uh, was sitting right next to an LRO Buzz Lightyear, and I'm pretty sure she picked up some of that green pigment, and she's also exhibiting some darker pigment on the right. So, so she's got like a whole thing going on. I, it's, it's, <laughs> that is crazy. What um, do you know? What kind of coral that is in terms of the scientific uh, the species of that? So I had always assumed that it was a granulosa. Uh, when I was talking to Chris, uh, he thinks it's a lorups, which I could definitely see. So it it, uh, it could be a lorups. Yeah, I don't know if that's a granul. It doesn't look like a granulosa to me either. But uh, it's not thick enough. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's sick. And then uh, this thing is like a crazy, crazy Millie. It's got um, some intense pink coralites with some freaking hairy green polyps. She's, uh, I tell you what, man, she's something else. She, uh, polyps out like no other acro we have. It just, she shows out. She absolutely shows What's out. What's the name of that one, dude? That's uh, Chewbacca, CCH Chewbacca. Chewbacca? Wow, that's gorgeous. Thank you. That, re that really is gorgeous. I love that combination. It, you know, I love Millie's. You know, is is that um, is that something you got a lot of in your uh, in your uh, collection? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have a decent amount, and we're in the stages of off culturing some more pretty pretty nice ones uh, that that should. You know, this nothing happens fast in this hobby, especially if you're doing it properly. So. Uh, you know, within the year, we might see some, some releases of some things that are, in my opinion, very, very nice. Very nice. Um, we've actually got some very exciting pieces uh, coming out. One came from Chris. Uh, the branch on it is probably about that thick around. Uh, it makes a spath look like a little branch. Um, <laughs> it's honestly the biggest branch I've ever seen on an acro ever, period. Uh, I thought it might be Globoseps, which it still could be, could be that species, but it's something along those lines. It's 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 gnarly, and I, I love different stuff. So it, it we're in the process of aquaculturing that right now, and it seems to be responding very well. Um, I've never seen one aquaculture thus far, so I think that'll be very cool to get some on the scene. Um, Alyssa M is wondering, Joe, what is your coral acro that is just your zing? <laughs> What is it? Your zing. I think, uh, what's your favorite kind of acro? Oh, man. That's a tough question. That's tough. Oh, you had to do it, Alyssa. You had to do it. Um, I'm a smoothie guy. I, yeah. I mean, oh, I love all acros, but there's just a soft spot. I would say spats and smoothies. Spats and smoothies. Uh, any any smooth skin acro just just does it. Spatulatas, yeah. man, those are not easy uh, SPS to keep. Uh, no, and and I've got a couple in the pipeline that I think are are, are going to be uh, gnarly. Oh yeah, uh, they're going to do some 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 good for the hobby when they come out. I just slow and steady, slow and steady. Yeah. Um, and any um, any pieces out there that um, you've really you know wanted to add to your collection that you don't have? Uh, so one that's that's gonna be added soon that uh, I've had and I lost just just the, it's a tales all this time. Uh, Acrolandia. Uh, I've actually had her twice and and both times you know everybody has a kryptonite. I don't know what it is. 
you know, a lot of the times it's starting out with a very good, healthy coral, and I don't think I really ever got that. But, again, once it's in your possession, you should be able to bring it back. So, I, I don't know. It, at this point, it's my kryptonite. I'm going to get another one. What's it called? Up, so. Acrolandia. Acrolandia. I've never heard of that. What? Acrolandia? Oh, you're going to look it up and be like, all right, well, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we'll go half. All right, more, yeah, right? what's that cost? <laughs> She's up there. I think she's 500 plus. Oh, really? Yeah, she's a little pricey there, huh? Yeah, I, I, it's a problem I have. I tend to like the pricier things. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's great, man. There's just so many different corals out there, and 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 um, it's really cool. So, I mean, speaking of like grafted corals and stuff like that, is that uh, do you have a lot of those in your uh, collection, or or? Um... Well, we we've got uh, we've got the splice, which yeah. is I think. The pinnacle at this point of grafted uh, is the Reef Raft Canada Splice. It's something else, man, in terms of brightness and just coloration spread. It really can't be beat right now. That's that's absolutely gorgeous. We had a, uh, funny enough, we had a, we've got a massive colony of uh, orange creamsicle. And we had a piece, just one single branch out of this, you know, foot-long colony that was exhibiting some red some red pigment so we kind of isolated that we're trying to see what we can do with that so i thought that was pretty cool um we've also got another granny that's very similar to our gilf granny uh granny i'd like to frag uh, <laughs> it's um it's this very beautiful purple with a with a gold inlay on the inside but this one is purple with graphs of like green running in different areas is, is very nice so we, we've got a couple of things that we're trying to trying to work on that's cool yeah corals uh you know it's just i mean there's just so many different varieties of coral out there and and what have you are, are you um obviously you know you're 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 a stickhead i can tell from uh from what, what we can see with your systems and all that stuff any any other type of coral that uh you're you're thinking about branching out on and you're starting to branch out on so, you know, I'm a sucker for LPS. I, I do like LPS. It's just, uh, it's, it's getting on my radar more and more. Um, and, you know, a lot, a lot of majority of reefers are LPS, not SPS. Uh, SPS is a pretty niche thing. Uh, we'd like to branch out more. So, so we're really trying to expand in that field. We're gathering a pretty group of, uh, a pretty good group of um, gonies and everything. I think is, is going to be solid. We, we're aquaculture, so we don't like to release anything that hasn't been aquaculture. So we, we won't just receive a wild coral, cut it up, and send it to you. Uh, I'm really not – I don't I don't like that. I mean, I, I don't disagree with it. It's, it's a lot of people's models, but that's just not our model. Uh, we, we like to know what, what we're going to give you is going to thrive for sure. Um, one thing uh, that you were saying grafted-wise I completely forgot about, we have anemone. A grafted nim, really, our that we got from a local uh, Chad, and it's it's uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I think it puts the Nexus nim to shame uh, because instead of being you know green and what uh, and and gold, it's it's gold and red. That's so cool. cool. Gorgeous. It's uh, we're trying to to aquaculture those to the point where we're offering uh, regularly. 
So that's that's the goal. I had no freaking idea that you could get grafted in enemies. So so the story goes uh, uh, from where I got it from. He got it from somebody who was breaking down a tank. They had a bunch of rainbow enemies, and then I want to say it was Deadpool and enemies on the other side. But long behold, when they were breaking down the tank, a couple of them were a mixture. Uh, so he isolated that mixture, and then he reached out to me and was like, "This is pretty gnarly. I, I don't have any reach. If you wanna, you know, if you wanna show people what this is and, and, and get it to the world, I'm like absolutely, people need to see this. <laughs> this is a nice name. <laughs> wow." That's really pretty and, and unbelievable to think about. Well, yeah, I think um, there's uh, there's just so many things that uh, you can do with science and and uh, you know in terms of um, spawning, coral spawning, and grafting and fusing. Uh, and that's that's something I actually there's not enough time in a day, but if I can get the time, I would love to experiment with grafting and spawning. Uh, we actually received a wild coral a few months back, and while we were dipping it, it spawned. Uh, that was wow. pretty gnarly. Never experienced anything like that, so that was cool. That that kind of that kind of lit the fire under me to say, well, dude, that's what the garage should be used for. The spawn yeah. the spawning garage. Spawning lab. <laughs> move move cool. the cars out of the garage. Get... Oh, there's no cars. Just jump. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, Joe. So uh, I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap it up. But any any uh, you know final words of advice? You know, obviously you've uh, talked about keeping it very simple. But um, in, in terms of people that kind of want to get to that next level, or or they've been kind of stuck in neutral, what would be uh, some some good uh, choice uh, you know pieces of advice that you would pass along? I, I, uh, so so when I was early on in my journey, I, I would focus on a, a you know a couple people. Uh, that I thought were running systems that I thought I would like and really hone on them because there's so much advice out there on the World Wide Web. You kind of need to focus on, on somebody who you appreciate and respect and, and just kind of follow that because if you start reading all these forums, you'll get a hundred different answers for one, one you know, problem. So I think you just need to, you know, hone in on who you respect and, and kind of follow them and, and Whatever they're doing, for the most part, you know, all that. Yeah, good advice. See somebody that's got success and uh, just uh, use them as like a mentor. Absolutely. All right, so folks, um, oh. go ahead. I was going to say Big R was one of my big inspirations, Lord rest his soul. So he, he, he was a big inspiration as far as, uh, you know, he, he kind of ran the show from from the social media side to growing it to everything and that's kind of what i emulate something like that well i'm gonna um i'm gonna end the show here uh joe showing that uh that video again and uh so folks if you want to check out joe's online store go to carolinacoralheads.com right and um, yes. and uh, you could also find them under uh on instagram and facebook uh carolina coral heads uh, Carolina Coral Heads on Instagram and uh, Coral Heads on Facebook. Coral Heads on uh, on Facebook. Joe, man, it was a real uh, pleasure chatting with you tonight, dude. I, uh, I I appreciate you taking the time, and obviously you got the touch, dude. So uh, thanks for uh, for sharing your knowledge and uh, your dude, journey with us. Anytime. I, I honestly appreciate you having me, my friend. Seriously. Thank you.
All right, thanks again, man. And I also want to thank the uh, sponsors for the show, both Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine. Appreciate them um, uh, supporting the show and all, all you folks out there for tuning in and watching. Very much uh, appreciate that as well. Big thank you to Paul, who's also the moderator, as well as the president of Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to the hobby. Finally, I want to let you know that all episodes of Rap on the Reef Bum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Rap on the Reef Bum live stream will be on Tuesday, January 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My guest will be Raj from Reef Builders as well as MRC. So you can check out the full upcoming schedule of guests on reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Until then, be safe and be well. Later.